0: Andy Green here and welcome to a podcast where I am going to investigate a very important topic, not from the classical means or the classical levels of knowledge, but to scout and look into different timelines and by that try to find answers to something that is part of our joint human history. Whether it's true or not, we don't know. Whether it's a myth or not, we don't know whether it's something esoteric or occult covering something else and by that trying to lift the veil using the higher order psychic energetic approach. And with that of course there are things that I will know and things I won't know, things that will show up and this is not something you will find on the internet. So, with me today, I have Josh as well because he's going to help me. And what are we going to talk about, Josh? And we're
1: after the Holy Grail today, quite literally whatever that means, that's what we're going to dig into here. Or Randy's going to dig into and I'm going to hold space.
0: Yes, exactly. Because I need Josh to hold the space here. It would be so much easier if I could do this on my own. But sometimes when I'm looking into what well, we could say the vast range of knowledge, there needs to be two people doing so. And often, actually, and that's part of some of the older teachings where you have a male and a female energy represented because the unity of All existence within our realm are divided into aspects of what it means to be human and whatever that means today is something that is being expanded. And that's not what we're going to talk about. I'm just saying that there is a reason why I need Josh here with me to do this today. Okay. So we have, what I want to put in here is that because most of you people out there, you have listened, you have seen, listened, looked it up. I am pretty sure about that. We have the Indiana Jones version of the Crusaders, whatever the title is, um, where he is with his father, and they go, they get into this Half Moon Valley, where they go into some kind of similar like the Qumran text, and they go in and they find an old Knights Templar that is protecting uh, the the Holy Grail that has the blood of Christ, or whatever it is, or if it is they are also alluding to, is this cup used as the Last Supper, as we know from the Gospel of Luke. And for those of you who are Uh, thinking or ranting out going the the path of Christianity. No, remember I've got a bachelor degree in theology and I studied University of Copenhagen and our studies in Copenhagen are not particularly religious. It is a study like any other culture. I might as well uh, could have studied Japanese religion and it would be from the same scholastic angle. So it's very little to do with belief or believe in God, or believe in anything like that. We're here investigating the idea, the myth of the Holy Grail, what that is and where it comes from, and how it has been woven into different belief systems that leads to different concepts and ideas of what this chalice, is how we call it in English, of gold holding some red substance that either gives knowledge or longevity or special powers or whatever it is. So we have the, the, the cinematic representation of it, a Hollywood representation of it. And we also have the Da Vinci Code where we are presented with the Holy Grail is actually like the womb. It is a cup um, of the bloodline of Christ or Jesus, more accurate, not Christ, because he, again, for those of you who are not really into the story of this, Jesus became Christ when he was resurrected. Before that, he was just Jesus. So Christ came afterward when he was resurrected. And there's, of course, some stories uh, and understandings that goes with this. And we can say are the Gospels literal history in Copenhagen interpretation of that. That's a clear no. These are made up by humans that wanted to tell something, that wanted to share some information, either given to them in vision, or if we go with the Gospel of Luke, he says he got it from a very valid source that also gave him some other information about the, the apostles after uh, the, the, the period where supposedly the resurrected Christ had uh, he walked on earth for 40 days and and that that's the story of the apostles that the gospel of Luke dive into and speaking in tongues and from that we have different sects that have grown out of that within christianity just putting this in, I can only urge all of you, if if you are interested in this, look it up on, on the internet somehow and get the pieces together. But the matter of the fact is we have four different Gospels and only the Gospel of Luke talk about the Last Supper where I think he, that's one or it might be Mark as well. But there is... It's not the same in all of the Gospels. There are different representations of the Last Supper and the Da Vinci talks about the Last Supper. So there is also the understanding that the cup there is the one that he... Passed around the table the night before, he was. He knew that he would go into the Gethsemane Garden, and he knew that that would be his final uh, task on the planet. And he had that last supper where he called his disciples together, and they were sitting. and That's from the Gospel of Luke. They were sitting there on the first floor. Which, if we go with the esoterics, actually has a significant meaning, including that he there's something about the water bearer that signifies the, the shift of the ages from the ages of Pisces into the ages of Aquarius. Anyway, so he had this last supper where he passed around the cup and then supposedly said, I break this bread and by you eating this bread, you will be a part of my body. The corpus of Christ, and when you drink from this cup, you will drink from my blood. Saying, as in, does that mean you will become part of my bloodline, or does it? Is it because the Jews believed that the blood held the the gem of life that goes with that? That when that hence kosher when you you. Um, when you take, when you sorry, I don't want to go into the killing of the animals, but they have a specific way of doing that. So they spill the blood on the ground, and just for the sake of this, I'm completely plant vegetarian. I do not eat meat, and I don't support any of this. I don't support any life form being used in any ways of forms uh, in in some form of exploitation to keep. Uh, anyone alive or themselves, so to speak. I don't exploit any other life form for keeping myself alive. So just so that is completely clear when I talk about this. So there are the understandings behind the different rituals, why that was done. And typically the scholars say that with the Last Supper and the whole um, kind of um, communion, which means to come together, binding together via a ritual that you then in that last supper would remember Christ. The communion is to become part of the the corpus of Christ which later on were taken over by the church. So in that way when people are drinking from the cup and eating that piece of bread, they're both remembering the Last Supper, but they're also reuniting with the Corpus of Christ, and they're reuniting with the church. It's a kind of initiation rit- ritual you do every Sunday, you hear the sermon, you hear, this is what how you're supposed to be as part of the Church or the Corpus of Christ. But it's important to remember at the time where that happened, there were no churches. There were ecclesias, there were little gatherings of the people that thought that uh, Jesus was the, either the physical new King of the Jews or was going to be what we could call the the, the prophet of a new age. And he was around what we could say, the time where the temple cult was slowly fizzling out within the Jewish community and all these little assemblies were beginning to spring up. And there were many different interpretations of what the true version of interpreting the Torah was and all of these kind of things. And the original Jews saw Jesus as a kind of new interpreter of some of the ideas of Judaism that went into many different directions. Just so we got that one old square, Right away so we have an understanding okay, this was a ritual not meant for the Christians but meant for that group of Jews that were gathering around uh, Jesus at the time, and that's kind of what we call the scholastic understanding of this and not the ritual. Uh, Protestant or Catholic understanding of that came later that were invented by the church and then adapted into church rituals that would then uh, generate followers and uh, give powers to specific groups within uh, what we call the world as we know of it the church uh, behind the Christian church. Okay, so what I pointed out here is the understanding of we have a golden cup and we have some kind of red liquid that gives some kind of communion or, or um, integrates or connects us to something. Whether it is a church or it is some kind of imaginary collective, a community, commune community, uh, which the corpus of Christ also is in a way. And corpus is Latin and means body of Christ. And we could also say that perhaps the Last Supper was not as when he says, remember me. Did he literally mean that people were to remember him in a physical sense as eating the bread and drinking the wine? Or was it to say that wine is also spirit? When we go with wine, it is spiritus. So that's the spirit. Was it actually say, there's part of me that you need to remember as part of the bread. And there's part of me you need to remember in spirit. So there's also another hint there when we go in and look at the different secret layers of the text. What is it that the writer wanted to convey to us? What is it that that people should um, (laughs) remember and and join when they are part of the corpus of Christ? So just put it in there as a, a broader understanding. Then we have the other angle where we could say, well, what if the Holy Grail, that golden cup, had nothing to do with Jesus, actually. That's the church interpretation of something else. What if that golden cup? That's interesting with with the Indiana Jones because they have the Knights Templar there. But the if they had that cup, and where did the Knights Templar get it from? They would have got it from the Temple of Solomon, and that's the temple in Jerusalem. And that wasn't raided until 70 AD, I think it was, where. Uh, long after Jesus supposedly had been um, crucified. We know when we go into the old text, it's kind of all the scholars are agreeing that he did die. There is a debate whether or not he was crucified, mostly because the Romans didn't do it the way the church has portrayed it. So we have a church that has invented different, Uh, uh, images, different ways of presenting the story, and all of that happened during the Middle Ages. So we kind of get that one in the clear as well. The crucifixion with the nails arose in the Middle Ages, early Middle Ages. The older interpretation is, yes, you could hang on a tree. And if we go in some of the oldest text material we have, then it said that Jesus was hung on a tree. But the question is the scholars debate whether or not hanging on a tree actually was from some of the prophets and some of the Psalms where that was said. But that was a typical Roman way of taking care of people that they felt was a threat for their control system. So just so we get that one in place as well. So the story of whether or not the the cup itself could hold the blood of Christ when he was pierced uh, at the supposedly crucifixion and the whole scenery we have there, we can then say most scholars agree on that story is a kind of a makeup story. It's there to symbolize. Uh, some sort of idea, some sort of concept, whatever that is, that's not that's a whole other podcast in itself. What does that actually symbolize? Okay, so with that one put in context, we can then say let's go back to the cup. Let's look at the cup, this golden chalice, and say what could that be? The esoterics Um, look into that when we go into some of the secret teachings it has and especially within the brotherhoods and the freemasons they have their own rituals regarding this and it's not my place for now unless something pops up I can look into it but there we go very 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 borderline close to what's called magic and that's for the secret societies. So that's but that's their representation of what they have made out of it. And I could just throw in there and say perhaps what they are drinking are a representation of bloodline magic instead more than actually what well, we could say some kind of longevity or becoming part of something that is related to a higher type of awareness. The the spirit of Christ should symbolize our higher type of awareness. So with that understanding, again, I'm sorry, people, we just need to go through these layers to get to where I want to go. We were with the, the Knights Templars and there are different. We now we know there are the brotherhoods that go back to Egypt. We have some of the brotherhoods that goes to Samaria. These are different groups. We have the Knights Templars, which is a specific type of warrior monk brotherhood. And they sprung out of um, I would say probably most likely from the Sumerian brotherhood type sprung out from the Baals because many of them, they were, as far as we know, part of nobilities, part of the lineages. So they were a specific group within what we could say the firstborn son might take over the the, the the castle. The second born son would typically become a minister or something else. And at the time of the Crusades, the second son could typically choose to become part of this a monk, warrior brotherhood, secret society and by that gain power which you couldn't get by estate. So we're here in between the constant between the spirit world and the physical world where one would take the estate of the bread, the other one would drink at the golden cup, the spirit world. So we, again we have this division where we can, I know it's a little bit far-fetched but go along with this one. So if we go with the idea that the Knights Temple were the ones that got the Holy Grail And it actually is a piece of gold item of some sort that can hold something that once it gets into the cup, something happens to whatever's in it. A type of technology, we could call it that way. If that were part of the Temple of Solomon, and we can say it somehow connects to the, the Ark, and I'm not going to Indiana Jones here either. But there are different aspects and understandings of what the Ark could have been. And it is mentioned in um, the Exodus, the second book of Genesis, where this this is where they carried the, the tablets of Moses that he got on the mountain. And we all know uh, Eric von Däniken's interpretation of that, which I agree with because it's interesting. But of course, we can also go with the typical classical religious mythology that scholars are debating on, that the gods were typically residing on the top of the mountains. They were often cloaking in these top levels of the mountains, which many higher mountains have skies or close to the sky, clouds around them and thunder and all of these kind of things. But it could also be the other thing. Could it very well be? We don't know. Anyway, so that's that's the traditional understanding of the Ark, that that carried the tablets of Moses that he had got from uh, quote unquote God uh, on the the, the the mountain of Horeb. I think it is. Uh, there is another version of the mountain as well called something else. And that's another debate. Why are there two different names? Um, <laughs> the in- inconsistencies that are in these ancient texts, right? Because different writers, different interpretation, different narratives, different uh, uh, literati- iterations and different representations. Each one that wrote it, rewrote it and redacted it and put something in. All depending on the religious political agenda behind rewriting these ancient texts. Just so we got that one in the clear as well. There's nothing that humans create that does not get impacted by the human that does it. The whole idea of that something is divinely given... Um, in my interpretation, even though the most uh, sane prophet that has been the representative of the speaker of God or whatever, inner voices, whatever, it filters through the human brain, including the angelic messengers going in between different states. of. Anyways, I'm, I'm going way beyond here. So going back to the Knights Templars and the Temple of Solomon, which we know has a huge uh, role to play within the brotherhoods as well. We have one of the the capstones we have when we do the uh, coronation of, uh, for instance, when Prince Charles was coronated, one of the stones, uh, there was a stone in in the coronation chair that is from the Temple of Solomon. So all of these things play in and have uh, what we call some kind of energetic magical uh, effect on the people that are participating in these different rituals. So there is this understanding that different items, different types of rocks, the cornerstones of uh, people that looks into buildings of the the brotherhoods so and this is where you are really that's where you really skilled Josh with the whole understanding of that the yeah.
1: Interest anyway. Yes. yes. And maybe it might make sense to for those who aren't familiar with Bonanigan's interpretation, is it, toss that in real quick.
0: So from mm. states, they kind of said, came in, that it's it's not God, it's a craft.
1: Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> Simple as that. Ancient aliens, yes. Yeah, ancient yeah. aliens, yeah, exactly. So anyway, so when we talk about the different buildings uh, that we have around the world that are part of the, the Freemasons and the, the, the whole secret society, They have specific ways of of building arches and pillars and using specific type of stone, uh, masonry, the cutting out stone in a specific way. And all of that alludes to somehow the communion, the interaction, the spiritual energetic interaction with the original temple, of uh, Solomon, where the Knights Templars got certain things, which we know we have the um, the movie that was made, National Treasure. Was it called that one where that was yeah. interpreted again? Hollywood uh, information.
1: These uh, ancient church, or older churches too. Yeah, all the special features. There's tons of them that go into that. There's plenty of information online yeah. about those too.
0: Yes, and it's all about this kind of understanding that any building you make on the earth is a representation of the divine represented on earth and the ones that are living there or exercising whatever type of ritual will be the representatives, the intermediary between the heavenly realms and the earthly realms in these uh, different buildings. And the same idea goes with when we talk about items and we have these specially appointed lineages that are capable of via their specific type of mitochondria, work with the different or the secret layers of society and the secret layers of reality from where they can energize specific items so that they become a type of technology that creates a link between the divine and the human. And today for me, it's not divine. For me, it's the extraterrestrials. I have no doubt about that. What I've seen and what I'm part of, the whole divinity is for me an interpretation that is done by people that doesn't understand or is put in there as a cover story or it's the oldest cover up. Let us put it this way. If we go far with the ancient aliens theory, we go far, far back in history, and my claim is of course. That 15,000 years ago, our world was taken over by other groups from other systems. And since they they downsized human capacity and sent the majority of humans and the original lineages into oblivion, sent or voluntarily, that's um, again not here. But the, the point being is that if you have humans in oblivion and you have extraterrestrials that are walking around them, well, what's the story? What's the cover up? Gods technology of the gods literally and they were there to take care of humans and what have you and eventually when the fourth dimension no longer was available some 3000 year BC when that kind of ended being part of our reality field a new type of humans were created with the reseeding of the fourth cycle which sprung to life Sumeria and Egypt and all of these high cultures that we now know that came, some of them came from Atlantis, and other came from other groups on our planet, reseeded, but now with a lesser capacity and have been closed off from the fourth dimension and by that excluded from the heavenly realm, so to speak. And, but there were still crafts and there were still these extraterrestrials. There were still beings here. And then of course, if you have grace, you create a hollow overlay, represent them as angels, quote unquote, messengers, uh, which they are. They're around us in the fourth dimension. They give you information. They maintain the human bodies, whatever, what have you maintain reality. The, what we now have known to come, come to known as UAPs, the different types of waving technology, and I'm here weaving the holographic uh, levels of reality, keeping up the Truman Show, and then from time to time the different types of groups that would come in the fourth dimension when it was still here, but sometimes they chose to come into the physical realm in an operating vessel, well then they were gods coming to visit visit the temple the temple became the place where they could come or they could show themselves so again just giving the broader picture of all of this so people kind of say okay when we talk about the holy grail we are suddenly no longer in a religious setting we're no longer in what we could call a magic brotherhood setting Because the brotherhoods, the top levels, they knew they were dealing with extraterrestrials. But for the lesser brothers, it were gods or entities or demons or daemons or something else. So with that understanding, um, tailoring different stories, the compartmentalization that we see within the secret military projects are just a repeat of the original brotherhood techniques. It was done the same way in the brotherhoods, in the masons, the true mason. Uh, lineages before they got watered out and were this uh, public for show front that they have now. But the original secret societies, they, they had these different levels where you only knew what you had shown the ability to attain, as well as shown the abilities to carry the gene code sequences that allowed you to access different levels of reality that were in alignment with the gene code in the mitochondria that opened up into the fourth dimension and by that into the true level of knowledge of our human civilization and including all sorts of technologies. So if we go with the idea that the the Temple of Solomon somehow somewhere had some ancient technology there and I'm just going to say it here that uh, the the Kalantik scientists also talk about some of the Some of the things that we see as godly items actually are extraterrestrial technology. And I would say today we are also having crafts and reverse engineering. And now we call it computers and iPhones. And back then if we put an item of what we have today and put it back in 2000 years ago, it would be seen as something divine just so we get that one in context. So let us just... Level it all out into rational, logical, let's look at the facts here without actually having the facts, but instead of cloaking it in astral, emotional, religious, spiritual, this is so fantastic magic kind of thing going in and say, okay, we have alien technology, we have a specific type of the way the alien technology works, it works via genetic energetic recognition and affinity. So you have to have the gene code sequence from the human DNA that is in the the quote-unquote third dimension Truman Show, base program, frequency-oriented DNA, connected via the mitochondria power station, there is a blocking there, remove that blocking and you pierce the veil and you go into the fourth dimension you begin to activate the fourth dimensional gene code sequences that goes with consciousness expansion. The Kalantics talk about that as well. From the, they got their information from the Syrian B, so of course they're talking about it. So with that understanding, we also have the Syrian A's in the Alice Bailey material that just just talk about initiations. You work with your chakra system. You open up the different layers of the chakra system. It has three layers, and you open up the different layers on the etheric, the astral, and the mental layer, and then you get into the heavenly realms where you begin to connect with the logos of the the solar system and onward. And so and so forth and you go through different initiations and you meet up with the Great White Brotherhood and they will show you how to do the initiations and, and all of these different steps that you will go through where you will attain more and more advanced type of consciousness. So it, it's it's prior to the Colontics and that, that's why I am just I just want to put it in there for those of you who say that's the specifically copyrighted material from the Colontics and Ashana Dean. I'm just saying it was there way before she ever talked about it. She just talked about it in a new way that is dissimilar to the way it normally was talked about. Just for all of you listeners out there before begin throwing stones here because I've experienced that a couple of times when I talk about these things. Um, again, when we go into the broad spectrum of things. So, if the, the Temple of Solomon had uh, some kind of technology stored there from some of the original lineages going back to the Sumerians, and that is my best guess, because if we go who was King Solomon, what was his lineages, what, well, was he Jewish or was he actually from some, we know Mo, uh, Abraham came from Ur in Chaldea, that's Sumeria so Ur is ur that's the city in 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 um in sumeria so 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 what mesopotamia that whole area iran iraq uh, turkey whatever it's become today so Point being is that, that the origins of the Jews were both from, there was a lineage, that the Hyksos, that came from Egypt, and then there's the other lineage that came from Sumeria, and they became the forefathers of what we understand as the Jewish lineage. So that's also important to take into consideration. And if we go with that idea, then we begin to understand the infight between the Jews, of which some of them were the priesthood of Egypt, connected to moses and the pharaoh for pharaoh what do you call it pharaonic thank you lineages mm-hmm. and the hicks's lineages and the other ones that came from uh, the abrahamic lineages gianna noah and all of that group they were all baal's so now we, now we begin to understand some of the infights that's going on there as well. And the question is, Jesus, was he of the priestly lineages of Egypt, or was he of the king nomadic lineages from uh, Mesopotamia? Because that makes a huge difference of the gene code sequences as well. And the Bible, quote-unquote, they say that the physical king that they want to portray him as goes back to the Baal lineages because that's all about the kings and the King Solomon and the different uh, lineages including Herodotus, which is what is called in Greek. I keep forgetting what's called in English but that's the name. Um, That was the king at the time of quote-unquote where Jesus was supposed to exist. We don't know, we don't have the exact dates but the physical interpretation of Jesus as the true king was because of his genealogy that goes back to Noah, and by that the Baal kings. But if he was of the priestly lineages, which would go with some of the, Peter calls him rabbi, which means that he's a teacher, that means the priestly lineages. Well, then the genealogy that we have in the Bible is not the kingly lineages, but the spiritual lineage that goes back to Egypt. So, so again, important to understand these, um, these differences. So if we go with the Knights Templar and we say the Knights Templar, they are what we could say warriors of uh, the spiritual matters more than warriors of the physical matters, because you can have warriors of war that goes with jurisdiction and property and land, and you can have warriors of the heavenly matters that goes with belief, that goes with spirit, that goes with what we could call access to other levels of reality. And I know I am (laughs) i could just look at josh he's completely bombarded right now
1: no it's great and the the templars you know there's the knights templars and then yeah there's other templars too so yeah that's a great um formulation of all this and background yeah a lot to consider before actually going into a physical item right
0: Yes, because we are talking about two levels here all the time, the physical and the heavenly. It's always about the dichotomy between the physical and the heavenly. And it's said in many, many different religions that humans are the intermediaries between the the earth and the heavens. We are the grounders of the heavenly knowledge and we are the transformers of the earthly uh, energy, so to speak. And that's part of the transition sciences as well, that we are to integrate, which the esoterics talk about, out the heavenly realms the knowledge of the heavens or the other dimensions as we say today but we are to do it in a very very physical body that's tied to as the esoterics call it the the contamination of the energy units that this planet is made of and the esoteric the Syrian in a material the the great white brotherhood the ascended masters not that i'm onto that either because we can clearly figure out these are the neburi gray shenanigans uh, programs that they created and and their technology and what they have been using to get people to assign within the Mesopotamian Baal lineages, that's Syrian A's, whereas the uh, the Kalantic Syrian B's are more towards the Egyptian some of these lineages. Or the Atlanteans, most, most likely, most, mainly most of, of these go to the um, Atlantean timelines and the military projects. So we understand the factional diversity here as well. So we don't think that it's just one fit for all explanations. It's not dependent on which faction you talk to, which type of technology we're we talking about. Is it to gain uh, um, land, aka timelines, or is it to gain bloodlines genetics? so now we begin to understand okay we have the physicality and the spiritual realms in whatever we are dealing with here and what would a cup be a cup is a kind of the the holy grail is a kind of a mix of both wouldn't you say
1: it would make more sense that way yeah
0: yeah because you have the cup and then you have the if we do say it's wine and it's spirit then you have this spiritual element in it and you have the cup that is gold and gold is I'm going to say here as I interpret gold um, the information I've got about gold there are many different types of gold there are red gold and white gold and there are pure gold and dirty gold and, and and there are specific astral beings that that are around specific type of gold that connects in with different types of energy of the different versions of gold but for me the original goal element as we know of it came from neborian crafts so it's connected to the neborians and that's that is the quote unquote Anunnaki, as they are, that's the name for them in, in the human realm, those who came from heaven to earth. Um, but the, the the name for themselves are from Nibiru, and that's not the 10th planet. It is a, a, a fourth, to the part of the 410 pillar, as I see it, and they are typically associated with the 10th dimension and the D10 collective. And that's uh, on the same level as some of the Dracos come from and some of these groups that are collaborating on that realm of our reality. So I'm not in this whole, it's not the 10th planet, it's the 10th realm. So there I go again, Sitchkin and his ideas of planet X. Um, I don't anticipate any planet X to come back in. Yes, we might have uh, planets or supposedly orbital things around in our solar system that could indicate some kind of very heavy object of some sort. But if you ask me, I'd rather say that's probably an old mothercraft or something more than a planet, actually. So some kind of old, huge ship that might come in at some point that were left behind in some of the Orion, the Wars or something like that, and just floating around orbit around our solar system. That would be my guess, more than actually a planet uh, from where they come in and if that's the truth then the whole kind of the idea is that that these ancient gods are here to to harvest gold for their technology or to maintain their sky or whatever others have come up with ideas uh, that that I'm not buying into that idea from for me these the different types of heavy metals as well as precious metals and and rare metals are the way if you have an alien craft that crash lands because that has happened many times in human history especially after the fourth dimension were lifted out or veiled out of our reality via technology and if you then break through into this realm where fourth dimension dynamics no longer apply and you actually are flying in with a fourth dimensional craft then there's a recalibration that has to happen and if that recalibration is not working well then it will crash due to the laws of quote-unquote gravity as in they can no longer float on the holographic energetic network. They go right into our reality here, does not have that original holographic energetic network from where they can fly. We have an artificial kind of round that goes up in the ionosphere. And that's why there can be a specific type of craft that could operate inside our reality. And they are typically drones. They are run by androids and not by original organic beings. But some of the original 4 to ten dimensional beings that would come in in their crafts, they would use the holographic network of the 410 pillar. The Colontics call these apins, and I, I, I've just translated it as in uh, alien uh, inter, inter, intersection planetary network, something from where they can enter into our reality field. And often actually positioning crafts inside our reality in the soil on different levels from where they would let that fourth dimensional craft crystallize create a specific type of heavy element or rare element or precious element from where they would then have the what we call the rod or the anchor point of that type of genetic and dimensional features that allow them to come into our reality without crashing or without having to use specific gate systems. They could literally use an old craft, put it in the soil, I saw so many of these in Australia and and I was shown how that actually works by some of the colonizing races down there. They put in a craft and that craft then solidifies due to the mechanics of our reality field and then becomes a rare metal or a heavy metal or a, 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 a you know what I'm saying, precious, precious, yes, thank you. Um, And with that vibration, having that seated in, they can then begin to anchor it up to the artificial fourth dimension that we have around our solar system. And that would create the bridge. So they didn't so they don't need to use the old gate systems because they now have got part of a craft inside here with some kind of genetics imbued into it that gives this kind of vibration to it, which of course attracts astral entities that are kind of what we call a holographic residual mirroring infused with human emotional energy. Um, that will then allow them to work inside. I know it's not explained in detail because it's difficult to explain these dynamics, but that's, that's how they've done it. So the whole crash landing is not a new thing that happened in, in, in the 40s. It has been part of a way to seat in an anchor point. You can either do that by technology or you can do that by an organic vessel. If you do it with a craft, then the craft itself will have an organic gene code in it already from the race. Hence, it would be easy just to drop a craft, remove the organic vessels, or have a few vessels in stasis there, so the gene code would still be there in the craft, upholding the gene code in the craft. It would also solidify, melt out, become a heavy metal, and then become part of our society, part of this world. So when, we, when people have said that they're here to harness gold because they need it, I would rather say they might have been interested in getting some of the old craft material back because when they seeded in these crafts some 12,000 years ago or even further back, the gene code was more pure than it is today. So for me, that would be why they would be interested in that. So that could also be an old craft, could also be a holder Grail. Or you could have part of a very, very specific type of, if you had a craft that were very, very high position, as in kind of the purity rate of the gene code in the craft. The metal itself, if we we know within the Dracos, they have what we call royalty, and that's the elder races. Their gene code is pure, it's really pure, it's highly pure. It can go into whatever sequence or whatever dimension or whatever adaptation, it can change into everything. It's kind of the top code of all of the other lineages, all of the other descendants. It's the top of the entire hierarchy of a specific pillar of extraterrestrials. So that's an elder race and that's where they're so pure. And that has then been divided into many other species and subspecies and, and undergraduate races, if we could call it that, uh, from where the, the pure purebred will be on top of that. As we know from some of the Dracos, the, the, the high level of these, they are typically white-skinned and they have a specific feature that, where you really understand this is the pure as it gets. And their consciousness Uh, emission radiation vibration is so strong that it is very rare for people to actually be able to be in the vicinity of it which we also know from the stories of the gods that came in and you couldn't look at them but then you would burn up or you would kind of have some residue on you or something else that would uh, um, apply imply that you were dealing with a very very highly vibrant type of energy being so with all of that summing it all, because I'm just going on, blah, 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 here is that kind of, what if some part of, for me, when you ask, uh, that story of the the golden chalice or the, the Holy Grail, the, the version that the Knights Templar are talking about, could very well be some kind of material from an boring craft that were then put into a cup and whatever was put in there of, of whatever liquid it was, especially wine that has this kind of ionizing with gold it has uh, some kind of chemical once it got in there it might uh, erode some of the gold and some of the 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 content of the gold if it had some kind of boring gene code might go into the wine and then the ones that drank it might get their mitochondrial DNA the lineage is amplified that's the brotherhood stuff that's that's where we understand that part of it Okay, so and then just to add it all up, there might actually be something that goes further back. Because when we can say, well, where would that Lemurian or Lemurian there, I just build just the beans there. When would that craft have landed if it is a Niburian craft? Since gold for me typically is associated with Niburian crafts. It could also have been made of, out of copper. We know, or I know, because I've, it's shown to me that the staff of Aaron that he uses in some of the old texts to, to change things from from a tree into a snake or whatever, it's made of a kind of copper alloy that is also, that's the same staff that the Egyptian priesthood has and the Egyptian um, uh, gods have that staff they have. is made out of a copper alloy. And that goes with another branch of the lineage, the copper-based lineages. Whereas you can say the bloodlines that we know of the Baals, they are perhaps more of what we could call, um, what is that? we Iron? Uh, yes, iron-based. Mm-hmm. But you can also say where the lineages that are quote-unquote gold-based, are these this, the high-level top of some of the elite, some of the secret societies? Do they actually have humans that are what we could call more gold-based, as in kind of that type of, of metal? Uh, that in in their blood veins works differently because they connect to the fourth dimension or they're they uh, that's just a question doesn't ring true but I'm just throwing it in the mix so we begin to think in these types of technology is associated with specific gene code sequences that are associated with different types of cells that are associated with mitochondria and the way that these uh, power cells. The mitochondria is an old type of cell that science says it shouldn't be in the human cell. It is uh, anaerobic. It is if they look at the the gene code sequences of it, some of the earliest cells or some of the earliest bacteria that was on our planet. Where is the what do you call it? Eukaryotic. Is that what you call it?
1: E- eukaryotes. Yes, A- thank
0: you. Uh, the ones that can process oxygen. And when we go in and look at the blood itself, blood has the process, they are processing oxygen. Blood cells process oxygen. So if we go in and say, well, the ones that are, are driven by iron, they are connected to the, I forgot, the the, the co- carbon, carbon, whatever. Carbon-carbon base. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. we are the human DNA. So that's why they need to change our blood type. Is that blood type part of the downsizing? And is the access point into the copper base that can connect to the fourth dimension via the mitochondria. And no, people don't begin to eat copper. That's not what I'm saying here. Because this is a gene code sequence. It's nothing to do with what you ingest. It's about what you do in energy work. That will shift you from different layers of the way that you process energy. Because what is oxygen? Oxygen is energy. It's not air it's energy it's a specific type of energy that you by your breathing by there is there is not one spiritual teaching system that doesn't talk about breathing as one of the most important things when you meditate And when you work with the chakra system, or if you try to achieve higher consciousness, it's all about the vagus nerve. It's all about the the connection between how you circulate the blood in your body via your breathing and the observance of the breathing, connecting a specific type of sensations of the body, being in some kind of bliss, samadhi, some kind of high vibrational state where you begin to transform the blood cells. What is it that you transform via the chakra system or the different vortices or the breathing technique? and the different meditation techniques. That is to remove the cloaking of the emotional field, the mental field, so you can open up the gate system in the mitochondria so you can get access to the fourth dimension. That's what I wanted to say with this one. And if you then, by different rituals and different items, can break that veil down quicker in the mitochondria, And since it's one of the oldest types of cells we have, why would they use that as a power cell from a time where our planet had no oxygen and had no life on it? That in itself is an interesting question why that has been absorbed into the other cell that is now powering the entire body. And the mitochondria themselves are the power station of all the cells of the body and has a transfer system for neurons as well. That means the central nervous system, the way our brain works, the way we process information in our brain. So everything is interconnected here. I know I'm throwing a lot of information out here. People just, again, a lot, a lot, a lot of information. But it all comes down to these sacred technologies. They go with a specific type of metal that comes from crafts that have a gene code inbuilt into them. Step one, whether it's copper-based, like the stuff of Aaron, or that can change snake genetics, that in itself that's very important. What he, he transforms the snakes right? So there's a hint there. So that means that's kind of the priesthood of Egypt. Did they stand up against his lineages? He was a priest of the priesthood of uh, Egypt. Did they, the Higgs, did they try and stand up against the Dracos and were punished by it? And in that, just put that one in, in the mix as well. And that's why the copper base were taken away. We could say the copper base might actually be the later types of blood types we know as a or B, for instance, that could be somebody in a very downsized version of, and that's why they're not very well with blood, because the priests are all about the spirit. We go back to uh, Abel and Cain, again, Cain is his, the blood type of the O, for instance the primitive ones or 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 was able that the more the the land even though he said that he was the one that's like i can't remember the story if he's actually the one that's slaughtering sheep or whatever but yeah but that yeah i think that's cain that has animals and but we also have the other brothers in with jacob's sons where we have esau there is is a is hairy and brutal, and the other one that is pristine and pure, so we constantly have these two versions of humans: the primitive physical one, the animalistic one, and the other one that's associated with the land and with the spirit and with the gods. so again, two different types of blood ties again, the spirit and the physical realm again going into the bread and the blood or the chalice. And the the content of the chalice, the inner, the outer, the ones that can move forward, the lineages that can, and the, the lineages that can't, the ones that are under the punishment, as Cain, that became the forefather of many groups on on the planet, but carried the the, the mark of. Of God because he has committed the first murder and by that carried that gene code in him so he became a forefather of specific lineage that by that sin were not able to in any ways or forms regain the connection to the heavenly realms because he committed the first murder. So there is many different aspects in it when we talk about these understanding of the ancient texts. Okay, so going, there's another angle on this one, and that is the Holy Grail is a piece of Lemurian technology. And that's a whole other aspect, which then no longer is a chalice, no longer is a cup, it's actually a round plate of a specific type of technology. It has what we could say, what we would call gold, but it's not actual gold because it's not crystallized, it's not in a hexagonal pattern but it has a gene code that looks like gold and then it has a ring around it. That's a kind of a crystal disc, but that's a whole other place of what we say that Holy Grail is. And what is that? That type of technology is similar to when we go to the story of Anu where he had the plates of, I think they call it the the plates of destiny. Inanna went for these plates, these crystal plates, which is the the Holy Grail, um, is the gene code sequence for lineages. So it's the root of that what creates a lineage inside a reality field of via technology. We can do it differently through the gate systems, through our own means, but you can also have a genetic library where you have the different gene codes or the different lineages that have got allowances to operate inside a reality field. You can do it by hijacking, placing a craft in the ground, and get access that way as I talked about or you can uh, uh, petition for it so to speak via the councils and then you will get that specific type of crystal disk inside the genetic library. And that's also a holy grail in that understanding of the Morian understanding, where if you get the allowances, you go to the councils, you get the allowances, you get that specific type of crystal technology um, um, where you can uh, can infuse it with specific gene code sequences in the middle, literally just Lineages after lineage, sequences after sequences of what type of vessel you're allowed to create and what type of gene code sequences you're allowed to have here, what type of operations you're allowed to have here and what type of effect you're allowed to have on the reality field at large. And with that, what type of pillar you're allowed to participate in and what kind of projects you're allowed to have. And that will be stored in the library. And that's also what we would see as a Holy Grail. That's another version of what we could interpret as a Holy Grail on the oldest, highest level of it. And I can't go further into that than that level, but it is the, the seeding mechanism of what allows races to exist inside a reality field. Whereas the others, they have taken it by brute force, crash landing a craft and letting the processes of Earth it into the Earth grid and by that get access. Or people touching it and by that altering the gene code. All via specific lineages, many of the copper-based are more Syrian, A-oriented, as we talked about the Egyptian lineages, whereas we could say the, the the red blood cell with the iron, perhaps, are more the Sumerian type, and onward and so forth, and these, again, I just want to put in there the crystal discs that Anu had, and Inanna, she got them, and, and she created a lot of weird stuff with them, let's just put it that way, you remember, perhaps, or perhaps not, the myth where she drinks uh, gets Anu get get him drunk and then she steals him from him anyways so that's another story and that created a lot of weird creations because um, the discs that the Anunnaki or the Neboreans they had got access to they got allowance to be here and they created seven helmets and seven underworlds that are their Kind of the same shield technology and to be able to create that shield technology as part of the Mesopotamian project the colonies there they had specific gene codes and each one of the shields had their own crystal disc that allowed for specific lineages to be part of their project whereas the Egyptians had something else what we now understand as the Egyptians because it was pre-Egypt long before the pharaoh lineages and all of these things that came later on.
1: Fascinating yeah it's have the kind of the distorted version or the lower version and then the higher version this dichotomy or yeah. polarity of type things the two things that came up I don't know if we go with this because it could open up into a lot of stuff but um, three things the is there the gold in the 4d are it have to get in this reality field and to turn into that type of gold the importance of rituals involved in all that and I don't know that gets a little murky no, and we're no trying to rituals. get away from those rituals yeah, no right rituals, please. and then the other one is the positive and negative blood type you mentioned the a and b blood and o blood but now there's this what they call rh factor positive and negative e- mm. of each one so mm. that's just a few things that came to mind and
0: yes well of course the, the gold is inside this reality but the mm-hmm. the amplifi- amplification factor or vector if you want to put it that way is actually a vector is in the fourth dimension so we have to the physical gold and then you have the fourth dimensional and upwards aspect of it, that goes in different rounds. You could say that in our dimension it looks like gold. In the fourth dimension, it breaks down into different types of energy and radiation. In the fifth, it begins to align with specific type of alien technology. In the sixth, it goes into the code sequences. In the seventh, you begin to from that begin to create different types of spheres and realms or whatever. So you you have the gold inside, and people are trading it, and they're wearing it, and they're getting all high on it or whatever doing with gold and they don't know what they're tapping into they literally don't know what they're becoming part of and when we understand that the, what we understand is the money system inside our reality that comes from the Baals And we know business comes from the Baals and all of these institutions that run on gold and money and trade and these kind of things. Yes, the Egyptians had trade. But as I said, there were more what we call priesthood lineages, whereas the Baals are traders and and, uh, kingships and physical and jurisdictional rights and what have you. So so with that, there is... um, I'll just leave it at that because it makes so much sense why gold has a specific position inside our society, but people are unaware of that all the gold items, they have little pieces of Niburian crafts that they are with their handling of it are either creating astral entities or drawing in astral entities. It has been used in so many different forms of rituals over the course of time and it's so infused with so many things and some of the things that are called pure gold has less astral entities attached to it the ones that are called dirty gold is really, it might for um, a gold trader, it might look the same, but energetically it's two completely different things. So if you have dirty gold from an, an angle of not a trader that looks at carrots and say, oh, it's this or that or whatever, and so much silver in it or, or whatever's going on, but you are looking at the energetic side of the gold, then the pure gold will have more of the original Liburian lineage genealogy imbued in it, so that when you do work with it, it is a gate opener. Whereas if you have the dirty gold, all you will get is access to the astral plane. So so that's some of the things that goes in this. And that's also a reason why there's golden computers and golden chips and golden all types of technology that runs with what we could say the different types of um, invisible Wi-Fi GPS all these kind of things that's energy you're riding on the waves of a reality you are creating networks in the aerial energies if you want to put it the the energetic wave patterns of our reality using the type of uh, fourth dimensional technology that are used in crafts, where you can connect some physical item with an energetic reality, but it's the energetic reality that codes the craft's features, the possibilities of it and what it can be used for. Anyway, so so just to put that one in, and rituals, no, I'm not going to touch that, because could we just throw it all out the window, please, and stop doing rituals? That's
1: what I was getting at, yeah. Yes,
0: please, let's just forget it. That's part of the old world order, that's part of a different agenda, that's part of a religious belief system, that's part of, if you don't know how to work with energy, you turn it into a ritual. Simple as that. Because then you can say, but via the ritual, then there becomes a habitual pattern where you code your own body that when I do this, then this will happen. And then you will code yourself to then when you do this, this will happen. But most people that use rituals, all they get access to is the astral plane. They don't get access to the fourth dimension, the higher realms. They just get access to their own projections and their own longings, their own wishes, their own desires. And rituals are tied into this whole comfort zone. I'm sorry, I'm just being very straightforward about this. And I know there are people that say, well, it's important for me to light the candle and put my Buddha figurine in the middle of this and and have these little crystal bowls and whatever going before I can start my energy work. And I get why it's important to create your space as typically said. But when you really understand how to work with energy, it's not the outer space that, that determines how you work with energy. It's your inner space that is strong enough to administer whatever, wherever you want to go. You don't need the items to create the environment. You create the environment by who and what you are and the, the repetitive um, ways that you're using your energy system and transform energy in specific ways. And their rituals can become a barrier that prevents you from moving beyond your own boundaries of what, where you feel safe.
1: I meant the ones that we really, I mean, that's the more everyday type things, almost routines in some cases. The ones that I think we should really shelf are the ones that these special operations and magical operations, like where the heck did these things even come from to begin with? It's like, read some of these operations, it's like, how did that... Well, probably aliens. I mean, because... I mean, yeah, that that's the stuff that's really weird to me. You know, mm-hmm. like all these specific doings that will have these really specific effects. And I, I just... I, 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 don't see, I don't see the point. Well, you know? let,
0: um, let me turn this around and say, what if all the things that you have seen and learned and heard about rituals or something that's mm-hmm. created for the purpose of cloaking, how they're really doing it? Yeah. That all of these... If if you if you make uh, most of what we know of rituals today comes from Hollywood. OK, you have seen it in movies, you have or you have read it in books or you have read it from people that made it up, even Harry Potter, whatever you you are seeing it, you are it's being shown to you. This is how they do it. And I would claim no. Not what I know, nobody's doing that because if you do have if you're part of the real brotherhoods and the real secret societies, you have it already in your lineage. You don't need to do all of these opening and drawings and symbols and <laughs> no, whatever. You what have, have you. to talk
1: to ritual magicians and I don't actually no, know. No, but Nobody that's from the Middle them. Ages. Yeah, that's another thing.
0: Yeah, and most of these quote unquote groups from the Middle Ages, in the Middle Ages we had a huge rising of the underworld And that's kind of what we call more the lineages that goes within Nana and what she did and what they were doing and whatever that was going. So, so that's, that's a whole other stuff. All of these things that we are seeing are not connected to the quote unquote, angelic races. Well, you could call them that if you like, but they are a different variety, right? So, so that goes with that understanding of how to protect yourself from that. Because if you go into the true, I'm just going to put it in there and no further investigation. But if we go in and say you have the Kabbalah where you via the different Sephira connects via different symbols to specific type of archangels. The original understanding was the reason why you connected to these archangels was because as you opened up the different layers of reality of the secret realms, you would, because this is Niborean technology, I just said the seven heavens and the seven realms beneath, You have both up and below. So when you work with the different realms, you will always open above and below. You will open up to the heavens and you will open up to what's at the other end. And by that you needed these sigils and these symbols and whatever to call in the angelic warriors that would help you to protect from not rising up. What was the other end of the seven heavenly realms and. Of course, there would be the, the angels or the archangels or these forces, would they help the everyday human that were tampering around with this? Of course not. It's like everyday human saying, uh, you know, and I'm not going to go there, but of course not. So when we talk about these things that have been put out there in the public, Uh, most of the time in my opinion and I could be wrong but in my opinion what has been given out there from quote-unquote whistleblowers from secret societies that got into these secret societies and got to the first tier and then were literally pushed out or excluded because the way that they wanted to work were way too ambitious or way too selfish or they had to the gene code for the opposite end, or whatever it was, they would then be thrown out. Why would that type of human go into a secret society trying to learn this, to gain power, often from the Atlantean lineages, trying to regain what was lost, trying to activate whatever power they had back then, and then being thrown out of these societies because they're way too selfish. What would such a person do? Such a person would go out, create his own school, create his own society and reveal some of these very secret knowledge of drawing all of these symbols and doing this and this and this and taking that remedy and that color and that type of doing silver. Doing things
1: in a certain way at certain time with certain objects. And yes, adyata, because that's the way,
0: that's all. all that that person would be able to do and that's the first step of what you learn. You learn to handle different items like a chemist when you work in a science lab. How do you use the microscope? How do you use this? How do you use that? But that's just the kindergarten version. Once you get above on a certain degree, you stop using items because you become it yourself. So it's just this way of coding a specific type of um, consciousness, potentials, code systems, activate specific genetic layers, of your already existing lineage that you have. But some of this has been forgotten. And sometimes you need to do specific exercises that are shown by the different elements, that are shown by different symbols, that are shown by different crystals, that are shown by different metals, that are shown by different forms of plants, that are shown. So you have the full realm of everything that you need to symbolically represent the heavenly and the earthly realms from where you are the intermediary. Okay? And that's all I'm going to say on that one. And if you can't master that, then you get thrown out of these societies. And that's many of the teachers that have revealed this, these teachings have not managed it in the secret societies and been thrown out.
1: Now, the positive and negative blood. Anything to say about that?
0: I would say that is an effect of residual astral energies that over the course of time has come to being due to wrongful use of energy and wrongful use of our organic vessels, had divided humanity into further types of blood types will it then mean that people that are negative are more negative and people that are positive are positive, quote-unquote, energetically? No, it just means different types of astral energies that works in different ways. People will say, well, if you have a O negative, does that then mean that you're connected to the underworld? Or if you have O+, plus, then it means you're connected to the heavenly realms? No, not necessarily. It depends on uh, the karmic lineages. It would be so easy to say, yes, that's it. Oh, I would love that simplicity. And some some might say there might be a little bit of overweight that, yes, a minus might actually get to polarize in a specific direction more towards the past, whereas the plus might actually get to polarize more towards a kind of a future. But since time is linear and the way we perceive time has very little to do with the actual past, present and future of the horizontal layer of our gene code sequences to put it that way, the way we work with it. I would rather say that if we talk about the mitochondria the way that an O plus for instance, I'm just doing O plus because you know there's A plus and B plus and whatever plus, but the pluses, they will have to work with their energetic con- configuration in a specific manner that will create a specific type of Um, Not the Fibonacci spiral, and we're not talking about the metrotonic, here I'm talking about serene B information, the 55 uh, uh, calibration. I'm not talking about that. That's something entirely else that goes to the fifth dimension, and that goes with the cubes of the fifth dimension and the way they download information, whether it connects to the fallen timelines or it connects to the positive quote-unquote timelines that leads to actually progression and ascension dynamics. It's that I'm here using the word ascension instead of elevation. When we talk about the A minus or the minus and the pluses, we're talking about physicality. We're talking about the physical cellular structure and the way that the blood operates inside the body. The way that it absorbs elements from what we're eating. That is determined by the plus or the minus. So if we say the plus they absorb in a specific way and the minus absorb in another way, and then you ask me in what way, in what way... It happens automatically. I, I, I strongly suggest, first and foremost, I have not investigated this. You've thrown me a question I've not investigated before. This is what comes up. I suggest that people try to figure that one out themselves when they're working with their own cells. But I can say it, it drives the energy spiral within the mitochondria in either to the right or to the left. Not that that is determined for eternity, that can be changed because when you have past, present and future, part of the elevation work is to level out all of these connection points to the past and all the connection points to the future via the chiasm, which is the cross on which we are quote unquote crucified. Whereas the horizontal one goes with the opposition dynamics of the 4th dimension clearing all of the timelines out on that one to open up our heart field. Where once we have done that they will then merge into one center point and begin to push us up to the heavens or the other position where we work with polarity that gives us access to the 5th dimension. The pluses will work in one way on the horizontal way, horizontal lineage, and the minuses will work in a different way, more oriented towards the past and the future and etc. Once we merge and go into the vertical one, then the spiral will move in a specific way. Again, nothing to do with fibromyalgia whatever, but the way the human DNA expands itself into different consciousness spirals that links up to specific realms within the fifth dimension. That's all I can say. And, and we, can, we can definitely amplify that via specific types of food. And that is why it is so important we become plant vegetarian. That will assist us in the opening of the mitochondrial level. As I said, that comes before there was oxygen on our planet. And when we talk about the plant kingdom, we talk about copper and we talk about phytogenetics phyto, uh, um, and the way the photosynthesis works within our cellular structure, the way we connect to the sun and the soil and the elements of the soil. Well, then becoming a plant for Terran is one of the first steps where we change our body into becoming more aligned with the planet itself more than with other life forms, which we will align with if we eat more meat. So that's, that's all I can say on that matter. Beautiful. Okay, people, that was a lot of information here. A lot so, of information. <laughs> so I will um, thank you for listening in. And as always, I know this is a lot of new stuff and there's a lot to take in. Um, contemplate upon it, see what you can use from it. My goal of sharing this is just to give another version of human history. Why is that important? Well, when we talk about the horizontal way of perceiving the past, if we have a pre-cognitive understanding of what the past is, we will then solidify ourselves in specific type of belief system and specific type of ways of using energy. And if I here show you, there are many different levels that we can work with that no matter what we investigate, it is multidimensional. It goes across the now, the past and the future. And in all of that spectrum are different angles that we need to understand. And as we learn to work with the different code sequences and energies of that level of understanding, will we broaden our spectrum of consciousness to dive into other aspects of our reality that we have not investigated yet. But what we need to do first and foremost is to break down the concepts we have about things, investigate them anew, and then also break down all the astral stories that are there, all of the myths that have been created, all of the things we have been indoctrinated with that has been intercepted into our brain and cloaks our ability to grasp reality as it truly is, and then via our own energy system and our own consciousness potentials begin to look into the timelines to find the information that will assist in creating what we could call a more accurate Perception of history, and I'm here saying perception because history is always up to the individual, but the the more expanded perception of history, if we can get that into the collective, then we can begin to break down the collective barrier of secluded history that has been tailored for a specific type of running the emotional and mental field of humanity. So that's part of one of the ways we can begin to break down some of the barriers that blocks us from gaining access to our true heritage and our true knowledge. Thank you.